Bonjour. Sam, have you got an image problem? Because you just said off camera. No, don't say it. I'm going to say it. You're going to project something on me that I don't like. You're going to, he, he just said, nothing can make me look good. Did you just uh, say that? What's wrong, Sam? Nothing. I just want to be left alone. Isn't that sad, though? Do you want to no. be left alone? No, I'm fine. See, now there's people are going to call me and say, are you okay, Sam? He's not. He's not okay. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> you worry people. That's not what I meant by move it. Charles never uses a phone. You got to move this. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. You said move it, meaning I thought the phone. So he's got an image problem. I've got a tech problem. I'm really bad at technology. Yeah. Uh, we are at Casa Redmond Fernandez this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, further east in Gray County than Hanover. Nowhere near Bruce. What are you doing here, foreigner? Yeah, I'm in Gray, deep in Gray County. We're going to get you before you leave. Don't worry. You will not leave here alive. Uh, no, he has an image problem. He doesn't think he looks good, and I think that's a problem. And he's now answering messages or whatever. Yeah, texts. Texts. I'm also, I'm on the clock. He's on the clock. He's got a lot of problems, and... Uh... Are you kind of hard on yourself, do you think? No. Okay. Not nearly hard enough. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's how I got so lazy. And? and... Ugly. You're not ugly. You're no, just a person. That's what my wife says. What? That I'm not ugly. Oh, she probably says more than that. Knowing your wife, because she's she very says, nice. You're passably not ugly. That's what she says. Gosh. No. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, um, anyway, my self-image is not the problem here. The problem is mission. Well, there's a link. This, e this afternoon we're going to look at, or this evening. Oh yeah, the distorted image is the theme. Right? The theme, the overall theme is restoring the image. Restoring the image, okay. Yeah. And today, uh, the, the background is going to be about how God sees the image. Right. Okay, so God has made every single one of us, here's the backgrounder. It'll tie into Sam's sad life. <laughs> he actually has a very happy life, in my opinion, but what do I know? No. God has made every single one of us in his image. That's pretty basic. Christians say stuff like that all the time, right at the start of the Bible. You know, and I'm going to say a few things that are like kind of obvious as a, for Christians, but do we, we, you can say things which you don't necessarily feel. And that makes a difference. For instance, you are therefore precious in his eyes. God sees who, who you are with all of your flaws, even your sins, and still loves you. In fact, he'll never stop loving you no matter what you do or don't do. By the way, I read stuff by Christians which disagrees with that. Uh, some Christians, very strict Calvinists, believe that God does not love the people whom he has predestined to go to hell. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's it's a it's a weird thought. I don't that's think harsh. it's even biblical. But uh, I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, but these are very smart Christians. Just wrong in my in my opinion. However, let's just go with what the Bible says, which is that God will never stop loving you, no matter what you are, no matter what you do or don't do. Uh, so today we're going to hear about the prophet Samuel. There's a Samuel across the couch from me. I am the prophet Samuel. Yes, but not the prophet Samuel. You're a prophet Samuel. I'm the, I'm the prophet Samuel in this room. True. We'll go with that. It's the context. The room is this context, but the context is the Bible 
in the first book of Samuel, uh, God sends the prophet Samuel to anoint a new king for Israel from among the sons of Jesse. And just Jesse just happens to be the name of your oldest son. It's fairly yeah, confusing. Right. Anyway, in the Bible, Jesse is a man with many sons. And um, when they Samuel goes to Jesse's place, he looks at the eldest, Eliab, and he's a tall, strapping young man who looks the part. You're going to anoint someone king. Probably him. He'd be a good leader. But the Lord set Samuel straight. Here's the quote. Not as man sees does God see, because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. That's, that's kind of the essence of the backgrounder this afternoon, or this evening as you watch it. In fact, Jesse goes to his first seven sons, all seven, and they still don't seem to be the chosen one. Now, David is the last son, and he's so unimportant that he has the worst job tending sheep out away from home. They were even going to start the banquet without him. <laughs> they yeah. were. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, so the Lord has other plans. It's for... natural to forget about one of them when you have like eight. Right? Sure. And they don't even mention the daughters. I figured they were. They must, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, probable that he had daughters as well. Yep. If you know anything about probability and statistics, you'd figure a man with it's eight roughly, sons. Roughly 50-50 chance every time you have a baby, so. Sure. A little, little more likely to have a girl, actually. Mm. It is. Trust me. I think more boys are born no. because boys don't live as long. No. Okay, well, that's irrelevant to our conversation at the moment. I will move on. So the Lord has other plans for David and being just sort of ignored and cast aside. Because when Samuel anoints David to be the king, which is what happens, the spirit of the Lord rushes on David. David is a changed person. In fact, he'll become the greatest king of Israel that they ever had. Basically, it can be hard to see each other or ourselves the way that God does. Even the people we are closest to are still a mystery to us. No one knows everything that's in the heart of a person except the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God knows. And it's so easy for us to judge others as insignificant, as if they don't count, or could never amount to anything. It may even be possible, possibly Sam, to judge ourselves harshly, uh, possibly me too, or to do the opposite, which is to fall into pride, ignoring our issues. Each one of us has a special place in God's heart. He has a mission for you that no one else can fulfill. And as we meet people, we need to remember that each one, especially the one who's uh, easy to overlook, matters to God. In fact, when Jesus comes to earth, these are the very people he seeks out so that they too will know that they are made in the image of God. And that is our backgrounder for this week, Sam. And thank you for your piece of technology. Thank you, piece of tech. Thank you, Google, for making that piece of technology. Okay. And all the children in China that contributed. Not that you're cynical. Not that I'm cynical. Okay. Okay. So in case you don't know, we're doing the first reading for this coming Sunday. Yeah. Reading one. First letter, first uh, book of Samuel. First book of Samuel, chapter 16. Shall we pray? Yep. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise you, God, our Father, and we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for the nice warm temperature and the, the sunshine, which makes us so happy. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that you're looking down on us right now with love, that uh, you see in us what we can't see in ourselves, that you see goodness when 
Um, we and others around us may see failure or sin. Uh, we know, Lord, that you have a plan for us. That you've chosen us to follow you, to be your disciples. That you're calling to us. And that you want to anoint us for mission. And we, we thank you, Lord, for being part of your plan, part of your mission, part of your saving work. And we ask you, Lord, to come with your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and allow us to see you in the scriptures today. Allow us to experience your presence. Pray for all of our viewers as well, that they would be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Onward. The Lord said to Samuel, Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. When the sons of Jesse came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as the human sees. The human looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There, remain yet, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Jesse sent and brought David in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. The word of the Lord. Oh, Thanks be that wasn't part of the reading. It's okay. <laughs> The Lord said to Samuel, Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will, set you, I will send you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. When the sons of Jesse came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as the human sees. The Lord looks on the outward appearance. The human looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Jesse sent and brought David in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward.
Whenever you're ready, Sam. Um, okay, well, first thing I was thinking of in the first sentence, it says, fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse of Bethlehem for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Mm -hmm. And I, it's the, I have provided for myself hmm. that I was thinking about. I was also thinking about Bethlehem because it's cool that David, it's called the city of David. Right. Because it was where David was from. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't know that. Probably should have assumed that, but. Because when um, when the prophet later prophesies about the Messiah, they say he will be born in the city of David. Right, right. Right, which is Bethlehem. Yep. And he's a direct descendant of David. Yep. Right? Joseph is a direct descendant of David. Okay. 14 generations. Yeah. And Mary is a descendant of Levi, the priests. Interesting. So... Sure. um. Anyway, just that God had, God is the one who provided David, not Jesse. Right? Right. I just was thinking that God had all this planned out and Jesse and his wife were just cooperating with God, unbeknownst to them, mm -hmm. in raising this boy. Yeah. Um, raising him up to be basically one chosen by God to be the king of Israel. Um without knowing it right and i was just thinking that 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 matches my experience so much that hmm. you just you don't know how the things you're doing even when they when they seem just benign are actually part of god's plan benign but insignificant benign but insignificant just insignificant yeah, yeah not benign but in in mm -hmm. insignificant and then something will happen that will make you realize that um, all along this has been God's plan. He has chosen for himself. Right. He's providing something for himself ahead of time and you had no idea mm -hmm. until you see it in the rear view mirror. You see that you go, oh, there, there it is. Right? Yeah. We Sometimes we refer to them as breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an exercise we, we've done at retreats a lot where we get people to look back at the significant events in their life, mm -hmm. good or bad. Um, because when you do that in the context of faith, you can re you realize that God was actually with me even in the bad times and in the good times and had, so had the, a plan for me. Can you read that line again? The Lord will provide for himself? Um, I will send you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Right. And even as you're describing the different genealogies, do we still have the sound effect, by the way? Yeah. It's just way up there. I can't. Oh, which one is it? Um, control. Why? Do you have to go to the bathroom? No, I'm getting a Bible. Oh, I'll just make it. I'll make the sound. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's get this going here. Where is it? Did you say it? Yep. I didn't hear it. Oh, whatever. It probably worked. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Okay. I'm going back and on screen. Here. Jordan doesn't like that sound. Yeah, that's true. Some people do. Some, uh, it's, you can't make everyone happy. Uh, what Especially if, not Jordan. Gosh. Yeah. Just okay, kidding, then. Jordan. 
Thanks for watching, Jordan. He knows that I'm joking. Um, I was thinking about the genealogy. I'm going to be mad at somebody with a pillow on their head. That could be really annoying to some people. Uh, what I was thinking about, though, forget about stupid things, is uh, the genealogies you mentioned are actually God will provide a king for himself, who's ultimately Jesus. So I was just going to flip through the genealogies. But the point I'm trying to make is this idea of a, a plan and... Matthew chapter 1. There are two, right? There's uh, the one in the Luke. One in Luke. Uh, Matthew 1 is where... Matthew names them all. Mm-hmm. Because he's obsessed with names. Well, so they have two... There are two different genealogies. Luke goes back to Adam and Matthew goes back to Abraham. Oh, okay. So Luke emphasizes that Jesus is the descendant of Adam because he's human, like everyone else. And Matthew, that he's a descendant of Abraham, which means that he is of the chosen people, the descendants of Abraham. Anyway, that's actually interesting. That actually ties into what we're talking about. So I was thinking about, it's kind of related to what you were, better find the phrase. Um, when he sees David, this is the one. So, so the Lord provides for himself. He sent Samuel. Uh, Jesse already has these eight sons and perhaps other children too, other daughters or whatever. Uh, and then the Lord then anoints, uh, uh, says to Samuel, this is the one. So God is very interactive with Samuel. So, I mean, Samuel has a bit of a, uh, an advantage over the rest of us that God's telling him stuff. But, but in a way, no matter how much God tells you, God doesn't reveal everything to anybody. And I was just thinking like, this is the one. Um, I think those words apply to everybody or potentially apply to everybody uh, in the sense that I was thinking in the backgrounder, you have a specific mission and purpose in God's overall plan for humanity. And obviously David did. He was one anointed king, received the Holy Spirit. So do I. So does each person. But also, this is the one ultimately refers to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like the one whom God chooses. And we get the word um, Messiah or Christ being anointed. David was just anointed to be the, the greatest king of Israel. Uh, so there are some people, some of them are like megalomaniacs, like, I don't know, like Napoleon or Alexander the Great, great conquerors who believe they have been chosen for a great mission that was you know, unique in human history. Yeah. And they succeed in making their mark. And of course, there are a bunch of people that just like think they're like Napoleon or Alexander the Great. And they're just like, just like petty criminals or what have you. Okay. Yeah. But I kind of think that actually everyone does have a destiny that is God given hmm. in which God says to each person, this is the one. But what I was also thinking about is how hard it is to believe that sometimes of yourself and sometimes of other people. Mm-hmm. Like, how would David have known, for instance, in this passage? He wouldn't, he didn't know. David had no idea, as far as we can tell, until Samuel came along. And all of a sudden, this is the one. Well, yeah, he would have been like, me? But what about my seven older brothers? Right. In right. fact, yeah, he probably... What about Eliab? Wouldn't he make a better king than me? Sure. <laughs> or any of these six others. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was so anyway. I was, I was thinking about why why is it hard to believe that God has chosen you or me, as the case may be. Mm -hmm. 
And I have to say, at this point in my life, I have a strong sense that God has chosen me. I do have that. I mean, you could argue that that's also something I put in my own head, but I don't believe that that's the case. I believe that, that you know what you said about breadcrumbs earlier is significant because I can look back in, in my life and say, oh yeah, the different people, more, more in relation to people, sometimes uh, things I did, but like my life has been part of other people's life for a reason and I've been placed in their lives for a reason. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? It does. Yep. It's, I think it's something that you have to uh, regularly reflect on, especially when things get hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I feel like I am just kind of, I'm not through it completely yet, but as our regular viewers know, the last three years was hard on us. Well, it's hard on everybody. I'm not, yep, yep. I'm not special that it was a difficult time, but mm-hmm. in, in terms of my calling to do what I do at the church. Yep. It was in particular a difficult time for me. Yes. And I've always said from the start that this is something I only want to do if I'm called to do it. Hmm. I didn't know that. That makes sense to me. It's not, I don't want to do it just because it's a job. Right. In the sense that it's my full-time work. Mm -hmm. That's not a good reason to do it. Um, Not to mention there are other ways of making money that are less aggravating. In some aggravation way. is everywhere. I don't yeah, know. I know. I'm just you, you've done other kinds of work, and you sold. I have. Yeah, you're right. Every, every, yeah, everything has its perks. But um, I don't know. I just I feel like uh, regularly I revisit. I, I sort of ask God over and over again. Yeah. Is this what you're calling me to? Mm-hmm. Is this is this what you've chosen me for? I do the same. Or have you? Cho- would you like me to, to to go and do something else? Yeah. And the, is on the flip side, you know? The thing I find hard about that, because I've, I have a very similar sense, although I have a different life than you. Um, but like I'm a chaplain, I'm a deacon, I help out a holy family. It's easy for me to say, oh yes, this is God's work. But what I would like to challenge both of us on is, can we say that of other people whose employment is not ministry, mm. not working for the church, but they're still working for God. And I think the answer is going to be yes. Yeah. But it's not as easy to see and it's not necessarily as easy to live. Um, last night we had a, our second week of Alpha. Another Alpha's yes, Which got started. was fantastic. Yeah. It was a great night. We had a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great groups and lots of good discussion. Um, a new friend of mine was there. Mm-hmm. And... One of the things that he, he's, he's having a hard time with the content. Yeah. And one of the things he said, which really struck me when he said it, mm-hmm. and I, I think I maybe I, I joked about being a prophet earlier, yeah. but I think we do have many prophecies. Sure. Christians are, Christians are, um, when we're baptized, um, we're baptized as prophet, priest, and king. And I yeah. take that very seriously. Mm-hmm. I, that's not, those aren't just words. God actually does anoint us as a prophet at our baptism. We are anointed yeah. as a prophet. So I don't say that, I don't, I'm not just saying this because it's, you know, um, empty words. I mean it. So he told me, he told us that he had two near-death experiences. Hmm. He told us what they were. Yeah. Um, where he was in very serious condition. Mm-hmm. Um, the one In the one case, he more or less died mm-hmm. and was, re, re, was revived. Right. Resuscitated, whatever. Right, right. Um, hmm. ser- very serious incidents. Wow. And uh, when 
when he said that, I felt, I felt in my heart, this almost like, a. it made sense that he was there last night because of what he said about hmm. his past. I thought to myself, or and maybe heard, I don't know. Um, that's why you didn't, you didn't die so that you could be here. Hmm. Like many, 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 many forks and turns in the road between yeah. then and now. Yeah. Yeah. But that this is one of the reasons this, you being here at alpha, it is one of the reasons that you were saved from death back then. I, I don't know if that was, again, it's hard to tell sometimes if it's just your imagination or whatever. Right. But that, that's sort of what I, that was the first thing that jumped into my mind as soon as he said that. Like, okay, then your being here makes sense now. Like, I, I really believe that. I think he's called to be there. Mm-hmm. You know? How interesting. I'm working uh, where I work. There's a fellow. They had, um, we had a really difficult time. Um, one wing, which has 60 people, five people died in the last three weeks. That's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the staff who work there, I worked there a bit. It's a, work it's a lot of people. Almost 30%. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, one of the guys who I know fairly well, who lives there, we were chatting today and he has a Catholic background, but he hasn't had nothing to do with the church for a long time. Um, but he was just talking about how we have a very good rapport. He speaks, I think quite openly with me, which I appreciate. He's very honest with me, which, which I think is good. Not always easy by the way, but, um, he was talking about how um, he has been praying, mm-hmm. which I didn't remark on because I didn't want to at the time. But the more I think about it, the more I think, okay, actually this man is somebody who has not really been able to connect with God probably since he was a boy. Mm-hmm. And to say I've been praying, I mean, sorry, I, I, and I think that the, the link I'm trying to make is, you know, maybe he's there for a reason. I mean, he's, he's, he's got different health issues, physical health issues, but his mind is very good, better than mine probably. Um, but the fact is that he's, when he's praying in that group of people who live there, even the people who work there, his prayer, I think is very powerful. We've talked about this before. The prayers, people are praying maybe for the first time in a long, long, long time. So what I'm trying to say is that I think he's there for a reason. And what that reason is, it would be hard to explain, but I think there is a reason that he's there, that God actually wants him there. Um, I think he. I think for the other people, some of the other people who live there and the people who work there as well. I think he's there for them. I'm uh, hesitant to draw a comparison to Lord of the Rings. Go ahead. We like that. <laughs> well, Jordan my, and Mark. I don't know about Mark. My no, friend I, Cody really likes Lord of the Rings yeah, too. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. Jordan likes, which Lord made of us Rings. instant friends. Yeah, I like. I like Lord of the Rings. Um, I think most, probably most of our viewers are at least familiar with the story, but sure. um, Bilbo in the Hobbit, in the, the book, the Hobbit, the, the prequel to Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. Bilbo finds a ring, essentially steals it from, uh, from Gollum mm-hmm. and uh, takes it home and it ends up, you know, causing a lot of calamity and uh, I don't want to give too many spoilers. Most of you know that, both know the story. Yeah. Anyway, it's destroyed in the end. There you go. Um but along the way, Frodo has to best to bear it, you know? Mm-hmm. And at one point, actually at quite a few points, he wishes, he expresses how much he wishes it hadn't happened. 
that right. Bilbo had never found the ring. Yep, yep. Because if Bilbo hadn't found the ring, he wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. Right? Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a, I can't remember the quote exactly from Gandalf. Gandalf tells him basically that all of us wish that mm-hmm. these things hadn't happened, but they... But um, you get the sense throughout the the story that there's a plan, there's an author, yes. and the author meant for for Bilbo to find the ring. That mm-hmm. it's it wasn't just random, right? He just did. He didn't just end up there. Because think of all the steps, you know, that he that had happened, yeah, that led up to him finding it. It's crazy, like it's mm-hmm. crazy. And I, my not that my life's that dramatic, but like you're talking about that mm-hmm. gentleman in in your life, like. Mm-hmm. These little things seem so insignificant. All of them can actually be very, very significant because yeah. the author, God, knows the entire story. Okay. Right? So you're like the prophet Samuel for the guy you know in the sense that you are able to recognize mm. God helps you to see something that the person ne- can't necessarily see in themselves. I think that might be something I could do as well for the guy I, I know. Did, I actually told him that. Because, like I said, he's having a hard time with the teachings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With the with the Christianity. Well, he's stuff. skeptical, right? Very, very, like, very. Which, I would say very skeptical. Yeah, lots of people are. He's very skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did tell him that when he told me that when yeah. he said, um, you know, that he had been basically brought back from the dead because right. we were talking about resurrection a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, and why do you th- why do you think you were brought back? Mm-hmm. Like, why why do you think you didn't just die there? Yeah. That day? Um. The thing is, unless you believe in God, you don't think there is a why. If you think things are just random, um, he's he's he basically said, I, "I was just lucky." Yeah, yeah, right. Well, he was. Yeah, but that's not. A, I would say it's not an either or because the word I thought I thought about. I've been thinking about the word luck a lot. Um, just over here on this little coffee table, I've got like five books about statistics and probability because I used to study stuff like that. And I'm really interested in what people think of when they think of like, oh, that's just like chance or probability, you know, probability or luck or something like that. Uh, in the sense that if you want to think about everything as like a, a chain of causation, a probabilistic set of events, you know, I don't know anything about quantum physics, but let's say at a quantum level, things are just happening and it's kind of weird and whatever. Kind of almost magical the way quantum, quanta interact. They're entangled, apparently. It's kind of weird. Um, so, but if you if you can think about everything in, in entirely in a, as a set of uh, of causes and effects at a material or physical level, yeah, actually, there is a way in which that's really powerful. Actually, it's a way of thinking about things. But what I would say is, my experience of the person I was talking to, myself, you, and the guy you were talking to, is something about us as people still causes us to ask why what does this mean and and we don't like some people would say we just impose meaning but i would say more it seems more like we discover meaning than, than we than that's we the word it. i was going to use discover yeah yeah and it, my prayer for this gentleman mm-hmm. is that by the end of alpha or eh, maybe maybe it'll take longer you know yeah. maybe maybe we'll be a, have a longer relationship than i hope mm-hmm. so yeah yeah um but I hope that someday he will feel that way about it. Mm-hmm. That he'll he'll discover that <clears throat> he'll discover that his being here still. See, I think, is all part of a plan. Yeah, and that God is the author of that plan. 
That's what I'm hoping. I think a fundamental starting point for me, which is what this, the background of this whole series idea that I came up with, which is uh, restoring the image, is is one of the, one of the things that needs to happen is that God somehow provides you a way of seeing His image in yourself, and I think it's often through someone else who sees the image of God in you, like Samuel yeah. did for David, right? Um, because so much of life is like putting that thought aside because you're considered like David was insignificant. Like he wasn't even invited to the banquet. And Samuel actually says, well, we're not going to start the banquet until he gets here. Meaning they were about to start the banquet without him. Pause. Right? Let yeah. the food get cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and somehow the least significant person of that household becomes the most important person in the history of that kingdom, which is he's the second king, basically. Um. And I don't think, I don't think, I think you can, I think you can realize the meaning of someone's life, your own life and someone else's life over time, but you can't, you can't expect like a proof in advance. You have to actually go through stuff. And, right. and that uh, implies, that applies to me and you as, as well as to people we're talking about or people are watching or listening. You can't say in advance, I want to know what this is all about, and then I'll start. Because as with the character Bilbo in the, in the book, or, or people we know, or, or ourselves, it's like, nope, we're starting in the middle. Right, it's a leap. It's always a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. But there are what you call them breadcrumbs. I just think it's helpful because it, but it, it <clears throat> helps our faith to look back. Yeah. And to realize that you've been led. Mm -hmm. Right. You might still be scared. You might still be confused. You might still be not sure what's next. Sure. As we often all are. Yeah, yeah. All often are. But looking back and seeing God working in your past does help. Mm -hmm. It helps. It, at least it helps me to take the next step. Because I'm like, if he was there for me then, and if he was leading me then, if he was using that moment yeah. to bring me to this place, mm -hmm. then he can do it in the future. He's with me. Right? <clears throat> I would describe those turning point moments in my life as kind of related to the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that <clears throat> the when Samuel anoints David in this passage, the, the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit is the person of God active and moving through time, kind of shaping, weaving, whatever metaphors you might use. Um, and I think... You can see, I, I love the, the, the what's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. mentioned in, in Galatians, the letter in the New Testament, chapter 5. And Paul writes about the things, the fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace. You probably remember them all. Mm. Patience, kindness, self-control. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, chastity, modesty. Good. We got them all. And I think rather than looking at results or <clears throat> achievements or even failures, um, to measure what matters and what doesn't. When I think about those fruit, when I think about that at a human level, because those are human experiences, those those fruit are experienced by us as people, like love, joy, peace, etc. Um, <coughs> I can say, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit was in that. Mm -hmm. Because no matter how far away someone may seem from God, or no matter how close they may seem to God, officially, God can still and does work in and through them, because they're all, all of us are all, are, at, fu at a fundamental level, made by God in his image. 
So um, I had a really challenging question recently. I've had this question before, and I, I've never had an answer for it. I don't think there is an answer. I don't know what your friend would say, the person you're talking about, or maybe the man I was talking about, but someone else was asking, you know, I wish God would just show himself in, to me in such a way that I would know he was real. And I could just like, no, and then I could believe, I could have faith, I, could, I would follow him. But I've never had that. Yeah. So do you have any thoughts about that? Ask again. I was distracted. Kids these days. Um, so you probably heard this before because I have this question. It's, I think it's a great question. The fact that I've heard it before does not mean it's not a great question. It's a question I have. Someone was just saying, it, I really have been praying and wishing for a long time that God would just show himself to me in such a way that I would know he was real. I know everything that the Bible and faith and Christians and Christianity and Jesus were all real. And then I would follow. I'd be part of that. But until that happens... I can't. Yeah. Have you ever tried to respond to that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, because, was that the original question? We're kind of coming back around, right? Okay, that's that's really, that's actually, there really, it, there, there is no faith and without the presence of doubt. Okay. Is there? I would say there's no faith with, there's no such thing as complete knowledge on this, in this life. Right. So, so there's the and the because the I problem the with ignorance, the problem with complete knowledge is then you don't need faith, right? Like if we knew absolutely one hundred percent, then that that's actually not faith. Yeah. Then then that's knowledge, right? Okay. The, the whole leap of leap of faith thing falls apart if you know you're going to land somewhere safe, mm -hmm. right? It's uh, it's not a leap of faith at all. It's just the logical thing to do. I think God actually keeps us in the dark. Maybe this is wrong tell me if i'm wrong it keeps us in the dark a little bit keeps us guessing a little bit because because we need faith we need to trust him and if he gives us too yeah, much we won't yeah but if he gives us too little then we won't either i know i know that's what that's why he does give us something okay but like you it can't you can't arrive at it you can't reason your way into into faith or prove your way into faith. <laughs> like mm -hmm. even last night, they last night the in the video, they were giving a lot of proofs for the resurrection. They were talking about mm -hmm. Jesus' resurrection, which is the pivotal event in all of Christianity. Nothing sure. we do would matter if he hadn't risen from the dead. Right. If it turned out he hadn't risen from the dead. So there were even lots of these reasons. Mm -hmm. You can still turn around and say, no, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Right? I just, I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. Right? It t still takes faith. It can even be like you were talking about statistics. Yeah, really probable that he rose from the dead. I think it is, but at the same time, it's not. You can't force the horse to drink. You can lead the water. <laughs> you can lead, the, water. lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right? It's like a yeah. It, it's a. There's always okay. a leap, I think, I think even we, if it's a small one. I leap. completely agree with you, but I also think we can give people something more, which is. Um, Maybe I would go back for myself to the fruit, the idea of the breadcrumbs that you're describing. Incidentally, the breadcrumbs are the things when Hansel and Gretel were wandering through the forest and they left stones, they were able to retrace their steps. When they left breadcrumbs, they couldn't because the birds ate them. Right. So you don't actually want to follow. Don't use breadcrumbs. You want to leave pebbles. You want to leave pebbles. Anyway. Pebbles. Your trail of pebbles. Too. I, I once marked a time capsule with pebbles and now I can't find it. 
Wow. When, when was I that? I was a teenager. Oh, okay. Me and my friend dug it, put a time capsule in the ground somewhere. Wow. And we think we know where it is and we, we've gone back a few times now and can't find it. Hmm. So that's more than 20 years ago. Yes. It'd be really interesting to see what's in it. Wow. I don't remember what we put in it when we were 15. Okay. <laughs> sure. Who knows? Could be could be incriminating. Could be some stuff embarrassing. In there. I would I might just bury it again. Who knows? <laughs> could be could be exciting. It would be exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I I suppose in reality, like as of the prophet Samuel, God sends people to us. I think He does that. Um, he does. He's done that for me. Sometimes it's you. I have to admit, uh, what? <laughs> but not just you. And sometimes it's people who don't necessarily feel like they're close to God, who have like just showed up in my life and, and they, they have something to say to me that helps me to see, if I may put it in the language of this, this series, the image of God in myself said, oh yes, this is who I am in God's eyes. Yeah. And I think he actually does that and he, he wants us to do that for each other. Uh, and I, it's not about trying to convince me that I believe something or should believe something. We're like, they just see something. It's an act of recognition. An act of recognition is a kind of knowledge, but you can't prove. How can you prove that you recognize someone? You can't really do that. I remember a couple of times, it's been weird, gone to like downtown Toronto and just seen people I know. Once it was like my friends from Hamilton, Lorenzo, I don't know if you ever met him. Anyway, he's a chaplain in Hamilton. Uh, so I was downtown Toronto. He and his wife were... There they were, downtown Toronto. Uh, World Youth Day, 2002, downtown Toronto. My late uncle was there, kind of randomly. He's not a, was not an especially religious person. It's my uncle. There he is. Then a crowd, like a huge crowd of thousands and thousands of people as John Paul was doing the way of the, Pope John Paul was praying the way of the cross, the Stations of the Cross up University Avenue. There was my uncle. It's like, you don't even need a proof at that point because you just recognize someone. And recognizing is very much to do with like the idea of an image, right? Recognition is very interesting. It means that I knew someone before and now I see them again. And to, to ask the question, how do I know, would be stupid. That's just right. who they are. Right. So people recognize the image of God in you as, let's just say, this in this case, Samuel recognizes in David the chosen, the one chosen by God. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just very interesting. I think it's kind of exciting. Um I don't think it's, it's not random. It's not arbitrary. Uh, it's not provable. Interesting. Like, as you said to this fellow, you know, yesterday, I think God's, God's pre preserved you, left you alive, kept you, kept you living to get to this moment. Yes. Or this is, this is part of it. Or at least part of it. Right, yep. right, right. Part of the reason you're here is to be here tonight at this thing. Right. Interesting. And, you know, I'll just say one more quick thing and then you can maybe want to, you may want to build on this or just say something different. I do think it's important to consider how much, I put this in the background or I judge myself, people judge themselves, you judge yourself. And especially for some people, it makes, it makes it very hard for them to believe that they are significant, that they matter, that they count, that they, but they, well, it's not, it's not even a question of believing in God. It's more like, kind of like we were talking about last week with they believed in God, but the question is, is God going to pro provide water from them when they need it? Is God just like going to kill them? This is more like, does God even care that I exist? He, you know, 
I might believe in him that he exists, but what if he doesn't care about me? Right? And I think it's because we judge ourselves insignificant and the world judges us insignificant. And I think mm. that's why, why we have mission is to sort of help people recover the image of God in themselves. Right. It's so easy to write yourself off. That's what I'm trying to that's say. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the ways we do that is to show unconditional love that God shows us. You can when, do that. And when, when, when we recognize the, the goodness in other people, when we recognize the image of God in them. You said unconditional. That's a lot. It's the goal. Okay. I mean, it's a lofty goal, but, mm -hmm. and it's usually, I, I don't attain it usually. My love's very conditional. Sorry, everybody. But the Holy Spirit can work through your <laughs> conditional love. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. 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 Your willingness to show conditional love, or hopefully more than that, as mine, for other people, for each other, even something the Holy Spirit can work through. I think that does happen. I've seen it. I've seen people whose lives have been turned around by the Holy Spirit because I happen to be there. And mm -hmm. you can, I believe, anyone watching or listening, that could be you for someone else. It's pretty mysterious and kind of exciting too. Like, I think it's very exciting. All of a sudden, there they are. I know it's a big deal and everything, but like they, they don't even know this, this family, Jesse's family, how big a deal this is going to be for David. And if you read about David, you read about him in first, second Samuel. I think he dies in second Samuel. Anyway, first Kings is son Solomon. Anyway, a couple of books in the Bible. He's the most important king by far in, in the history of Israel. So something very exciting just happened that's way beyond what they even realize. And I think that's true of everybody. I I was just thinking about what you said, that that no one is insignificant. Right. In fact, not, not only is no one, in, is no one insignificant, not, not a thing that happens to you is insignificant. Mm. It's all significant in right. God's eyes. Um, and he can, you, it, it reminds me of that verse. Um, is it Romans eight eighteen? Um, no, I don't think so. What's it about? I'm mixing it up. Um, I can work. God can work all things together. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. Good. Prob that's probably it. All things work to good for those who love God. I think it is. Okay. I don't Romans like verses, but I will look up the chapter. All things can work together for good to those who love God, to mm -hmm. those who are called, right? According to his purpose. According to his purpose. Yeah. And uh, just that that involves sort of a letting go, a mm. surrender of those, those mm -hmm. insignificant and significant moments to God because he can work them for good. Mm. Even the bad things, even death. Well, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. Even death. <clears throat> Even death. Yeah. You're probably right. I don't like um, to think about that. I don't either. Me. I don't either. But um, it's true. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I like, uh, I also like how David's story, the whole, the whole saga of David. Yes. Saga is like, a good word for it. It's like, well, it's a saga because it's actually fairly, a fairly long story. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of parts to it. It's all like, but there's like ups and downs, like. What oh, yeah. he had a rocky, rocky uh monarchy. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Like he had a rough time. And uh people were always trying to kill him and all he had that whole thing with Bathsheba. He was he was a sinner. Like, wow. And so it's a saga. But anyway. He had one of the sons turn against him and like literally lead a rebellion against him. Yes. Absalom. Yep, Absalom. Mm -hmm. 
That's really harsh. Yeah, and the whole thing with Saul, like mm-hmm. he had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he didn't, and, and Saul tried to kill him, and right. I think the I word saga is the right story. word. Like you can compare it to like a, a you know a lead like the Norse yeah. Norse heroes. It'll make a great and... trilogy. Sure, but um, what I was going to say is it's like the whole thing's an underdog story. Like right. this this guy was a a little shepherd boy, not particularly big or strong. Yeah, in any way, like and and I love that because that's sort of the message to people that feel like they're insignificant. Sure. Is that God, you are significant to God. Mm-hmm. I guess the message that I would like to leave with people is discover. Yeah. Right? Try to discover what it is or where God's been leading you and how he's going to do significant things through your little, through the seemingly insignificant parts of your life. And and I'll say the the people we're talking about, I don't know the person you're talking about, but I'm guessing from the way you've described him, the person I was mentioning earlier on, are there are people who feel insignificant? Yeah, they people who feel that the world has written them off, doesn't know like, and and they've kind of written themselves off too. Like think of how hopeless the, the just the whole materialist view is. Yeah, yeah. That you're just yeah, that yeah. you're just basically a clump of a smart clump of cells. Sure. That just happened to be here. Yeah, yeah. By is you're just an accident. Right? You're an accident. An accident of nature. So I actually I'm gonna qualify the your approach with my approach, Go which ahead. is like, no, no, I I because I, I would say I agree with you. We're not just that, but I would say it a lot depends on what you're what you're looking for. If you're looking at humans or the material world from a materialistic perspective you will find materialism you'll find clumps of cells you find quanta randomly entangled with each other whatever the case may be not randomly whatever that means uh you can look at that and i think that's what i would say is you probably agree it's a legitimate way of thinking about how things work and who people are there is it gives us knowledge that is real the problem is i would say with the word just it's not just that. We're not just that. Right. That's a way of thinking about who we are. It's a way of about thinking about who you are. But there are we're that, other... We're that, but we're something much more. Correct. Yeah. That's what I would say. That's a, It's a Catholic... We're, we are that, but we are also significant. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, I just... I want to I want to respect... I want people to know that. You know? I absolutely want people yeah. to know that. But I also want people to know that you don't have to reject... And you, I know you don't. We don't need to reject, and the Catholic Church certainly doesn't reject scientific ways of knowing. Not at all. No. It's just that it just it just rejects the word just. Right. Like we're not just that. Yeah. There is the image of God in each one of us. Um I mean you can take it too far the other way too. You can start, you know, I burnt my toast this morning, it's a sign. In the shape of America, that means <laughs> I'm going to be the next president. Right, yeah. Or like, it's the shape of a crown, which means I'm going to end up being king. Whatever. Well, I get, you just, you, you can, you can, you can start looking for signs. And I, I think Jesus warned us against that. I don't think that's, mm-hmm. that's right either. So that leaves people, I think, well, I agree with you as well on that point. We can take it too far. It leaves us with, I think, a need to, like I said, for me, at least find like, what are, the, what are the legitimate signs which are very much to do with things like the fruit of the Holy Spirit? The fruits, yeah. Look for the fruit. Look for people's lives being transformed. Look for your life being transformed and ask, where does that come from? How do I see someone else's life transformed? 
or my own life transformed or even pe people, groups of people being transformed. And a, a lot of it will, will have to start with somebody recognizes the image of God in that person mm -hmm. and just helps them to say, you know, that is who I actually am. And then once you recognize who you actually are, then you start to, I think, understand how you're being called by God for a mission, just like David was. Mm -hmm. I think we're done. Okay. That is seeing the image of God in each person, which is part of restoring the image after it was distorted at the fall. We're getting close to Easter. We are like three weeks away. This is week four. Week four. So mm -hmm. there's there's just there's just one more Sunday. And then Palm Sunday. Or is there two more and then Palm Sunday? Well, there's this Sunday coming up. No, there's there's one more. It's week week five. This is week four. Yeah. So so the, the okay the one after this one is week five. Is the fifth Sunday of, of Lent. Yes. Then it's Palm Sunday. You're right. And then it's Easter. You're yeah. So we're really we're getting close. We're working our way through restoring three the three weeks from Good Friday today. Our, our last uh, of the series will be focusing on the cross, which I'm, I'm the point of this journey. The series is this restoring the image begins with the fall and ends with the cross. That's the journey. Awesome. Yeah. It's getting Hang better in there, all the time. Guys. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Thursday night appetizer. Perhaps I'll pray. And uh, right after we pray, we'll say goodbye. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank you for the creation which you have um, offered each one of us, the, the, the person who lies within the, your image in us, God our Heavenly Father, because each one of us is made in your image. And we also ask for your help, your Holy Spirit, to help us see the image of God in ourselves and in each other, especially in those who have been cast aside, feel insignificant, feel like, no one cares, don't even care about themselves, maybe. God, send your Holy Spirit so that our eyes can see as Samuel's eyes saw in David. When you showed him, this is the one that we can see that of each other, that this is the one that you choose each one of us in your son, Jesus. And we praise and thank you that you've allowed us to be part of that wonderful journey of allowing ourselves to be seen by you and, and allowing others to see you as well. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother. See you next time. See you next time, everybody. Maybe I can do this. Yay.